everybody's still human. Like they still have emotions. So if you can make sure that from a standpoint of their role, they check the boxes they need to in terms of business results, and then you give them an emotional reason to also connect with that mission, you're only going to find more success. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, I've got joining me Chris Yoko, who is the CEO of Yoko Co. Now, I was introduced to Chris, and I took a look at his background. I'm quite excited. He's an expert in uh, digital marketing and web design, but his company has a little bit, uh, a slightly different focus and an edge that they spend time focusing on social responsibility and company culture. I think you're going to enjoy this podcast episode as you listen to Chris and and how they made some changes in their business that had a significant impact to both the bottom line, so increased profits, less stress with clients, better relationship with clients, and a more engaged and more enthusiastic team and staff. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Chris Yoko to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Chris, super happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Doug. Happy to be here. So one of the things that I noticed right off the bat when I started looking at you and your company and what you're doing and uh, were, were two things that really stuck out and they were that you focus on company culture and social responsibility. And then it kind of went into the business topics below that and, and one that's dear to my heart, digital marketing. So do you want to just share a little bit of the, your background and kind of, you know, your angle and perspective of what makes your company unique and why you put those things kind of at the top of the list? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the way that we phrase the the work that we do and the way that we or the people that we work with is that we work exclusively with organizations that have a passion or purpose beyond mere profit. And what we've found, and I'm happy to tell more of the backstory, kind of how we got there, is if you're working towards a cause, you're much more likely to put more heart and soul and feel more attached to the work you're doing and generate a better outcome than if you are just doing it for a paycheck or for a numerical, you know, revenue goal or something like that. And, you know, I was raised with the belief that we should be building the world and leaving it a better place than we found it. And so if you can find a way to bring those things into alignment, and I found that they, you know, certainly are, you can find a way to generate better performance both financially, but at the end of the day, that's not the the reason you do it. That's not the reason you get into it. I don't think if uh, you can make a living and make a positive impact, that's at the end of the day, what I think more people want to look for in terms of their legacy. That's certainly why it's personal to me. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why we take that approach. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I've got a few of my friends that are in business and, you know, they, they're making enough money to to live comfortably and retire. But like you said, their burning passion is to be able to, you know, make larger amounts of money so they can give more money away and support more causes that they care about. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting parallel, right? You have so many people that'll do, oh, you know, I worked on this for like 30 years so that then I could get into doing this thing and giving back. Or I did all of this work so that I could give X amount of money to a charity. And you 
fail to think about the fact like, oh, you could make minor tweaks in your journey along the way and do something, whether it's a little bit more charitable, a little bit more sustainably, a little bit more in favor of generating you know, more opportunity for people throughout the entirety of the journey. Like they don't have to be segmented portions of your life where it's a handoff or anything like that. They can certainly coexist. And I think that that's something people are beginning to be a little bit more, uh, you know, hip to or woke uh, as the, the phrase is now. Yeah, I, I heard someone say that really th these days we can't really call it the work-life balance that doesn't exist, uh, that it's more of a work-life integration. And uh, as I shared with you before we started recording, I had gone through and I had completed the, the kind of the survey on your website to see where I fell. And clearly I fell in the wellness area because the health is really important to me, but you know that's part of my life that's integrated. Opposed, like you said, just chunking off, hey, I'm going to work really hard, then I'm going to have a heart attack, and then I'm going <laughs> to get healthy and then I'm yeah. going to try to go back to work again. It's like, hey, why not skip that blip in the middle and look after the thing that drives the, the, the economic engine that's you? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't be so responsive to it. It's, you know, to wait, don't wait for that red light to flash in front of you and have the heart attack or have the crisis, you know, find that balance initially and then live in that zone as opposed to oscillating back and forth and trying to find balance in each of these, you know, countering extremes. So do you want to just walk us through a bit of how you how you bring that uh, mindset to the companies that you help with their website uh, development and the digital marketing and advertising? Yeah. So you know, as I said, we really try to use that as the foundation of one, stratifying our clients. So figuring out who it is that's a good fit to work with us. And that tends to fall in one of two buckets. So it's people that understand the impact they want to have on the world. They know what their goals are, their metrics, their key performance indicators, and they need someone to help execute it. And we fall in alignment with them very well, usually. And the other side is those that are a little bit more aspirational. They know they've got an organization that's special. They know they've got a potential to do more, to make greater impact, to make more change. They're not sure how to measure it. They're not sure how they articulate it. And we'll help them kind of form and understand what that should be because it's personal and it's different to every organization. And then how you pull those really important parts out as a part of their brand foundation and then build, you know, we tend to focus on web presence because that is the one thing people will touch above and beyond anything else they do with any organization. So how do you measure that? I mean, you know, we do, we have and all, you know, pretty much all the time that we've been in business, been very active in the community. Like I said, locally, we've traveled, you know, long distances to help and do things. But how do you actually measure that in your organization? So if you're looking at it from a business perspective, uh, how do you actually look and say, hey, that's, that's making a difference. That's improving, you know, the community and culture in my company. That's helping me with my branding and recognition and having a deeper, deeper relationship with my clients. And how do I translate? that into at the end of the day ROI? Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things that sometimes it's hard to put a, a number on, but we find that if you use a macro lens, there's a way to kind of put together either something that is directly aligned with, you know, your revenue slash profitability. And then there's some things that are usually joined. So an example of one that's directly aligned would be, let's say you're a service organization and for every client you have, you know, you're making on average X, Y, and Z dollars, but you also understand that by helping this client, you're helping them, you know, let's say you're an accountant, you're helping them avoid a lot of the stress and hassle of a constantly changing tax program. If you have that eye on this is the difference I want to make on somebody, it's not going to be another, you know, CPA where, okay, great. Like, yes, technically I did your, your return and it, went fine, but it was still kind of a hassle. It was still a stressful process. If you go into it with the objective being, I'm going to really make this a smooth process for this person. 
And by eliminating that stress, they're going to be able to better show up in their family. They're going to be able to pay attention to more important aspects of their financial life. They're going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Then you start to realize, oh, okay, by every single person we impact, that, that makes a real impact and that has a ripple effect that kind of expands from there. And there's a real simple, okay, great. For every client we're working with, you know, we feel like that's one life impacted. Boom. Pretty easy. Then you get into, you know, options that are kind of just joined at the hip with, uh, you know, traditional business metrics where you might have, hey, for every X amount of revenue we do, we're going to aim to reserve or conserve X amount of acres of the Amazon rainforest or these core wreaths, uh, something like that. You know, those tend to be metrics that are joined. So you can show like, hey, as we grow, we continue to do good. And then there's some others where it's really more experientially based. And those ones tend to take a little bit more work. They tend to be a little bit more granular, but there's some ways to work within those organizations. And when push comes to shove, you know, it's not a impact number that gets audited. So it's really meant to help them understand, hey, this is the impact we have at a micro, a macro level. And you can put together, you know, some options there. Oh, this is how we show up for each individual family. This is how we show up for patients. This is how we show up for an extended family, for our users, for, uh, you know, different bunch of different ways to kind of measure it and tie it in there. And then... That's really cool. And, and I never thought, like when you said uh, for the accountant example, I'm thinking all the time to deal with the accountant. It's never, that's not like, hooray, let's go visit the accountant today. But like you said by looking under you know through a magnifying glass i mean you're really impacting people's lives if you make it less stressful they're more likely to you know want to you know spend more time it's not going to be bad news they're not going to be all stressed out as they're going through the paperwork right so that's a that that's a very light thing but even with that one of the i like that you went you know kind of the magnifying glass option there because that's the other side of the coin you know you have this macro number and it's nice to see oh we positively impacted the lives of x number of people and that's nice to see but it doesn't connect with people personally so there are some people that the big number is the one that's important to them but there are some others where if you use the accountant example one of our clients they are actually an accounting firm. And they were saying a story about, you know, this, they'd been dodging kind of like taxes because it was really stressful for them. They hadn't paid for a couple of years. And they finally came to this firm, said, we really need some help. We've been dodging this. We've been avoiding it. We're not sure where we're at financially. Boom, boom, boom. These guys swoop in. They help take care of it. As a result of it, so much stress was alleviated on it. They came back and there was a husband and wife, but the man came back and he was like, I think you not only like helped us with the tax issue, which was great, but he's like, I guarantee you, you saved our marriage because it was getting to a point where it's just untenable. We were fighting. We were trying to hide the fact that we were fighting from our kids. So when you start to look at it at that real micro lens and say like, okay, great. We impacted, you know, 10,000 people out of the case it is, but like, here's the real tangible impact of the work we did that we would have never known if we hadn't thought about the kind of stress that this puts on people and how we remove that and ask them about that in their personal lives, we would have never gotten that feedback that that was the impact we had on somebody's life. And that tends to be more meaningful for a lot of people. So how do you balance sharing that information with the, you know, the greater audience through advertising and marketing without doing that specifically to exploit that? So yeah, it's one of those, yeah, tricky components, right? But I do find if you... And I think most industries have the opportunity to do this where I think it's Sally Hogshead has kind of coined the phrase that different is better than better. A lot of firms want to continue to compete on like, oh, we're like a little bit better than this other person or we're better than those people or we're incrementally better. And it's just an arms race of who's better at any given time or 
you can switch that. You can be like, we're different. And here's what we focus on to do things differently for you. And with that lens, if it's a part of your brand structure, it's a part of your organization, it's a part of the way you simply operate is through that lens of, hey, here's how we make an impact and here's how we help people. That tends to transform a lot of your messaging. It tends to be, to a certain extent, kind of polarizing. So you'll attract the people that really dig that about you very much. And they'll be much more likely to, you know, self-qualify. They'll be more likely to be qualified. They'll be more likely to work well with you and be less troublesome clients. But it's also going to repel some people. There are going to be some people that that's not what they're looking for. And if that's not you, you'll tend to see a benefit from those people being repelled too, as you're not going to have bad reviews, you know, pain in the ass clients, whatever the case might be, um, you tend to avoid some of that. But if you're just kind of constantly chasing like, oh, we need every single lead and we need every bit of revenue, you take the good with the bad. And you know, for some people, that's what they want to do and that's fine. But for the folks that we work with, they tend to be okay with a bit of that polarization being worked into their marketing. Well, and I think it makes sense. I mean, that's where I, you know, I think the world's moved anyhow has gone into these niches and people finding their tribes and working with people you're comfortable with. And honestly, I mean, I have more fun hanging out with people where we have things in common. I mean, before we got on air today, we talked a little bit about hockey. So, you know, we have uh, a couple things in common. So, you know, so we've got the, you know, the social responsibility side and we've got, uh, we have an interest, both of us in, in hockey. Now you play hockey. I just watch <laughs> hockey. You wouldn't want to see me skate. I um, mean, you definitely wouldn't want to pass me the puck, but you know, so there's some commonality. So, you know, it would be more fun working with you opposed to people that had totally different views who thought, Hey, don't do anything for the environment. Don't worry about, you know, the society, just worry about profit, 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 you know, not a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there was a time where, you know, we used to work with a lot of clients that fell into both of those buckets. And we found, what do you know, the outcomes are better for the ones that we feel really well aligned with or having more fun working with them. They aren't the squeaky wheels, you know, the ones that are, oh, it's all about, you know, profit, profit, profit. That's the only thing that matters. There's, you know, no real respect for the people within our organization, let alone outside of our organization. It's just all about, you know, focusing on that one pure goal. You tend to get a lot of burnout. Uh, you know, whenever we started to make the the turn to working exclusively with these kinds of organizations, we fired, it was about 25% of our clients at that time, which, you know, felt really risky, but we found within weeks we had, 40 to 50% more free time. So it was it was certainly the right move, but it's, you know, uncomfortable to to make the jump. Well, and lots of times I talk to people and I say, so, you know, what makes you unique? Like given, you know, there's an audience full of buyers that have a, you know, a credit card in hand to buy your services and you and five of your competitors are standing on the stage. Why you? Yeah. So the way we usually respond to those kinds of things are one, obviously the, you know, social component of what we do. If you are Simply in it for profit, you're probably not our type of person. We understand that you have to have profit and revenue. It's like fuel in the gas tank, right? If we're going to get somewhere, we've got to be able to have the fuel to get there. So it's a critical component. And thankfully, we have the, the businesses and the technical acumen to understand and deliver at those levels. But it's just like, uh, you know, Bruce Lee used to say, you punch through your target. We consider it the same thing. We're punching through the target. Like, yes, maybe your target is this business goal. It's this amount of growth. It's this revenue number. But if you're punching through that and really aiming for the purpose that falls behind it, you're going to find your follow through is much stronger. You're going to find your outcomes are much better. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, what you don't always realize or I didn't realize initially was how much excitement you draw from both your your internal staff and then your suppliers and vendors that want to help you achieve those goals. I mean, we've had 
we've had suppliers fly in from New York to support charity events that we're supporting up in Vancouver just because they, they, they bought into what we're doing. So it makes that relationship a deeper relationship. So it's good for us. It's good for them. And it's good for the, uh, you know, the groups that we're supporting. Absolutely. And you start to feel like a real camaraderie because you feel like you have something impactful to, you know, celebrate together as opposed to like, yeah, it can be fun to hit, you know, growth milestones. And that's a cool thing. And you can kind of go through the grind for a while. And, you know, whenever you hit one of those, it feels good. If that's a bit of punctuation, if it's just the constant grind and it's never enough, it starts to burn people out. Whereas if you have things that you're working hard for that you can see the positive impact it has in a person, you know, there is definitely some level of altruism, you know, inherent with all of us. And that's something that really makes people feel good. And I feel like you can, at least I know for myself, I can work harder, longer, knowing that it's something that's really impactful, then it's for like, okay, are we going to hit our quota? And for the people like the example you shared with the, in the accounting field, this gives them something that that's makes them stand out compared to the competitors. So when they are standing there with their peers, they're not just saying the same old thing that there is something that they really, you know, have as a core value that's, that sets them apart from their competitors. Absolutely. And what I also kind of love about the, the way you can structure the messaging is people can copy it. We actually have, we have a client in the financial space that they're very focused on their client's experience to an insane degree. They do some really cool stuff, but they're also very much an envy of their industry. And so we had found a <laughs> site that was basically a carbon copy of the site that uh, you know we had developed with them uh, down to basically the same words with just like different people's the, you know staffers names switched out and stuff like that. But we noticed you know the the firm we're working with continues to be in one of the top five percent and uh, a bunch of like the best of list, whereas this firm doesn't seem to be growing. And in fact based on where they're positioned in, you know, some like the industry list appear to be shrinking. And a big part of that is due to the fact that you can use that kind of language on your website and it might be really attractive and it might seem like a differentiator, but if it's not authentic and it's not true to who you are, none of that converts into actual business opportunity. So you can have all the fanciest language and all the nicest marketing and all that stuff, but people raise their hand based on that marketing because they think that's who you are. If it doesn't turn out that that's who you are, it's going to make people feel either one, betrayed, or two, like maybe they went barking up the wrong tree, feel a little weirded out. Ah, that first interview call with them didn't feel like what I thought I was going to get when I watched their videos, when I read their website, when I engaged with them on social media, and then they go elsewhere. So it's really got to be one of those authentic things that you're aligned all the way from top to bottom. Well, and I think the first place that would show up would probably be in the company culture because, you know, you've got a web dev team and graphic people and you're saying, hey, let's go copy what somebody else is doing. Exactly. Right. So you're saying, hey, let's cheat. Let's do some stuff that we're not allowed to do, but that's okay. We're going to tell everybody we're great. In the meantime, we're just ripping off other people's stuff and calling it our own. And how demeaning is like somebody that's in that department, right? Where you're like, <laughs> I have skills and you're just letting me basically trace somebody else's work. Like yeah, that's gotta that's be, right. that's, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I worked for the company uh, up here for a while and uh, they were looking for um, a way to get involved in charity and they basically owned an ad campaign that we put together. So we canceled all the Yellow Pages ads and all the stuff that didn't seem to make sense. And they moved their money into Children's Hospital. So it's a body shop called Kermac Collision. And so they've got, they run an ad campaign. It's Kermac Cares for Kids. And that's the only advertising they do. That's it. Good deal. We care for kids. This is what we do. And that's the only conversation. They don't say, hey, if you've had an accident, come see us. Hey, if you've had a windshield broken, come see us. They talk about helping children's hospital. I love that. And yeah, I mean, it shows, I think it also pays a little bit of respect to the audience where it's like, 
people aren't stupid. They, 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 they can understand. probably guess what <laughs> yes. it is you do. Oh, you're a collision center. Okay, what could you possibly do? You don't need to beat them over the head with it. And the fact that they get to hear a, a story and see some impacts, I think that's ingenious. So is there a story that stands out in your mind of a company that you helped walk through this, you know, kind of your process and came out the other side? Yeah, so there's a couple. I, I think one of my favorite ones is actually one where we helped change the objective and level of impact we were working with. It was a, an association that's in the automotive industry and they'd reached out about, hey, we need some help you know, with our entire web infrastructure and here's the deal and here's who we are. And before we take on any client, we do a little bit of research around you know, what's their mission. If they don't seem to have one, what do we think is their potential? What kind of impact do they have on the world? And these guys have their you know, voice in the ear of this entire industry and the world of automotive. And as we checked out their site, checked out their bylaws, they don't really say anything about the impact that happens to have on climate change and kind of that global you know, level of impact around pollution. And we said, we didn't think we were going to get a chance to work with them, but we figured we threw it out because if they didn't <laughs> want to do this, we wouldn't work with them. But we said, hey, we noticed that uh, you know, the way that we work with our clients is X, Y, and Z. And you guys haven't said anything, despite the fact that your industry is huge in this, that even a 1% drop in you know, emissions or pollution generated by vehicles makes a pretty significant impact. And we'd be more than happy to work with you. But one of the contingencies would be, we want you to add to your annual conference uh, a section on you know, climate change and reducing the industry's negative impact on the climate. And we'd want you to add that to your about page, you know, just to bring awareness to it. And simply by making it a part of the conversation, we feel like that's something that will have a big picture, tangible effect as it ripples through, you know, the entirety of your membership. And if you do this, we'll also give you a 10% discount on the work we do together. And wow. fully expected them to be like, go pound sand so we can talk to, you know, hundreds of other agencies. Um, but to their credit, they kind of came back and they said, you know what, that's something we've been discussing internally. And we're kind of embarrassed that there isn't any awareness of it now. Uh, and, you know, we appreciate the discount. Uh, it's something we should have done already. And they agreed to do it. And so, you know, and now, especially as the prevalency of electric vehicles becomes more and more common, you know, that becomes a, a more common topic and one of the things they solicit speakers for at their annual conference. So it was nice to be able to consider that they might have just gone off and worked with anybody else and there might have been no change. But now as a result of this, you know, we're seeing fleets where there's, you know, more electric vehicle pickup and there's more awareness of the topic and the category simply through the conversations they've been having since they're in basically everybody's year across the nation. That's amazing. I mean, that's a pretty bold move. It's, I think you can only make that kind of move whenever you're like, you know what, if other, if otherwise we have nothing else to lose, so, you know, we can go for it big. If it was something where we were really worried about it, I don't know if I'd have been so brash, but I was really glad it worked out. Well, I mean, when I started my business and depending on how, how busy we are, there's times we take clients or I speak for myself, I've taken clients that I know I, I shouldn't have taken, but it's like, it's, Hey, you gotta, gotta pay the staff, you gotta pay the bills. So you, you know, you take the work that you need to take. And then you get to a point, like you said, where your business is chugging along. You're going, I, I don't need to do that. I don't need to deal with those guys anymore. They're not, they're, they're not my, my tribe. They're not my fit. Yeah. It's, you can't make that point enough because whenever we made this change, it was with the help of a couple of members on our advisory board. And I was still super hesitant to let go of that 25% of our clients whenever we did it. Because like you said, we've got payroll, we've got things we've got to be really cautious of in terms of overhead. And I really thought it was a mistake at the time. But looking back, it was, you know, you kind of have to position yourself for who you want to be in the future. And back then, if you looked at our client roster, like there were a handful of real gems and there was, you know, a bunch of, of sand and dirt in there as well. 
And if I look back at the clients we work with now, like I'm super proud of the impact we have with every single one of them. Like we haven't taken on one that I would say like, ah, oh, maybe we don't put them on our site or maybe we don't list the, the work that we do with them or maybe we don't put our credits, you know, on the bottom of their site or anything like that. But that only happened because we started to position ourselves as here's who we're going to be. And then you have to follow through with that. And eventually it pays off. I mean, you will, as you said, absolutely find your tribe, but it takes effort and you've got to really believe in it. But once you do, uh, it feels like it's, you know, swimming downstream as opposed to up a waterfall. So would you say that the new clients you have now are more profitable than the clients that you fired? Oh, for sure. I mean, if you, we do a lot of work based on a fixed fee and even the work that we do where, uh, for a lot of causes, we'll discount and provide a pretty generous gift in kind donation just to kind of discount the rate and make sure that we're able to put more money towards whatever that cause is or that impact might be. And even with those, we find that because the teams work really well together, there's not a lot of bickering. There's not a lot of back and forth. There's not a lot of problems. There's that alignment right from the get-go, and that leads to better outcomes. And of course, with the, the process and the structure we have internally to help fuel that, it tends to work out really, really well. Whereas the ones that were... Yeah, I'm sorry. That, that question wasn't in my uh, in my notes to you. I was just listening to you as you were sharing that. And I'm thinking, I've talked to a number of people who have done what, you're, what, what you guys have just done. And in every single case, so I probably should have given you a heads up. But my expectation <laughs> was that you're going to say, yes, we're making a lot more money and having a lot more fun. And I just really wanted to hear, let you uh, share that with our audience. Because lots of times people are so afraid to let go of a single client because they're, you know, hey, I'm going to lose that revenue. Where, where's it going to come from? Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, one of those things, if I could go back in time, I would have said, like, do it earlier. But, you know, it is one of those things that until you have that perspective, it's really hard to believe it's going to work out. You're going to be like, oh, great. I lost a bunch of my clients. Now someone else is going to work with them. And I got to go try to find new ones. And I'm just going to find the same stuff over and over again. But if you're really intentional about it, it definitely changes. So a couple of questions. And how did that, what was the response from your staff? And what was the response from the customers that you kept? Uh, so the staff loved it. So whenever we initially rolled this out and we do this usually every other year now is we talk about what everyone's individual, you know, kind of impact or legacy. What do they want to do with their life? I really try to encourage people. I think it's helpful if everyone has like their kind of their own manifesto of like, here's what I believe for my life. And how does that overlap between all of us in our individual lives and the way that we show up? And how does that look uh, as an organization? And this process was the one that started that. So that first crew that we did that with, everyone basically said they wanted to accomplish the same things in their lives. Slightly different way of phrasing it, but we really felt really aligned. And whenever we said, okay, let's name our top five clients that fit these virtues and this goal and the top five that don't. And we, I think all except one had the exact same list. So we felt pretty <laughs> wow. good about doing it and moving forward. It was pretty clear. The clients that we kept, we didn't really tell them anything for the first couple months. Um, <laughs> just because I, I, we should have actually, it would have been a great way to kind of communicate like, hey, we're really excited and proud of the work we do with you. You made the cut. We're going to keep you. Yeah, exactly. I, we should have done more there. I probably would have been a good way for them. Hey, do you have more people like you that you'd want to send our way? <laughs> Refer but, us, yeah. um, No, so we didn't really say anything for a couple of, I think it was about six to eight months and before we started finally letting people know, like, hey, this is kind of who you know, we decided we are. And it was you know, based on some influence from you and got a lot of good conversation from the organizations we worked with. And that capacity, especially because a lot of them were a lot larger than us, you know, even those that were in the professional services category you know, maybe had hundreds of people at that time, whereas we had a handful. And so being able to jump in and learn from them and be influenced certainly shaped who we became. And I think they appreciate, you know, we'd still work with a lot of them. So I think they certainly appreciate that too. 
So what do you, what would you say some of the uh, pushback has been or some of the myths? So, you know, you're sharing this and I'm super encouraged because I think that what you guys are doing is just, you know, just amazing. And, you know, I, I'd like to see more people move in, obviously in that direction, because I think that, you know, life's too short to get up and do something you don't like. So if you don't like what you're doing, change what you're doing. If you don't like who you're working with and work with different people. Mm -hmm. But what's the pushback that you hear people go, oh, well, no, that won't work because or I can't do it because. So what's some of the negative feedback that you hear when you share kind of your vision and how you're, you know, moving your company forward? So it tends to fall in at least the most common pushback I hear kind of falls into two buckets. One is the people that say like, oh, well, but then, you know, if I have really strict standards, I won't have anybody that, you know, fits in that or it's such a small sliver of the pie. And I think people tend to forget that other people also have aspirations and intentions. We only get to see kind of what they put into action. But as we talk with a lot of our, the organizations and we go through like an initial qualification process, whenever we ask, okay, what kind of impact do you have? What kind of impact do you make? Well, how do you make the world a better place? Some of them kind of hum and haw. And then we talk about like, okay, well, if you were going to create a better world or if you were going to change your organization to help build a better world, what does that begin to look like? And suddenly these ideas start pouring forth. So there's ways to kind of find out if somebody isn't already in your bucket, if they're the type of person that might become that kind of person and can you help shape that? And by virtue of that fact, you help them then become a better person and a better source for good. And maybe they, you know, change other people. So there's a lot there, but a lot of people don't consider that initially is that, you know, people can change and people can be molded and, they have an internal experience that we don't take into consideration. The other side of it tends to be a little bit more on like the crunchy hippie side of things, which is they're like, oh, great. Okay. Yeah. You know, we're not going to get to play with any seriously large organizations or big money or anything like that because they care about X, Y, and Z and it's, you know, profits, margins, growth. And that's, you know, all that they care about. And if you come in here talking about doing good and everything, they're going to tune you out and you're not going to have any opportunities. And I found if you exclude the revenue numbers and the business metrics, like, of course, they're not going to really feel like they can play ball with you. But if you talk about, hey, like, here's where we're at in terms of the business, and here's why that's so impactful, and you can share a story, everybody's still human, like they still have emotions. So if you can make sure that from a standpoint of their role, they check the boxes they need to in terms of business results, and then you give them an emotional reason to also connect with that mission, you're only going to find more success. But I think a lot of people think it's kind of like an either or thing. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, years ago, I did some work in the customer loyalty uh, with a chip card uh, that we were working with a couple of financial institutions. And we'd look at a bunch of research that was done out of the UK. And basically, the research at that point had said that given the choice, the consumers to go to two different stores, and they both sold the same products service about the same price that the consumer would go to the vendor that supported uh, local charities and community. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And whenever you whenever you guys ran that program, like how was that stuff communicated to them? Yeah, I mean, you need to you need to be, you know, like you said in front of them, but not to the point where people are going, "Oh, you're just doing that so you can, you know, uh, get more business." <laughs> so I find that lots of times the people that are that are doing lots in the community are very quiet about yes. it. Yes. And I'm saying, "Hey, you know, you you have a responsibility because your staff work there and your staff want to be proud of what they do and your suppliers want to be proud so there's a way to communicate without saying hey look at me i just wrote a check for fill in the blank like they don't need to know that but what they do need to know is they need to see you taking leadership and 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 bringing your team and bringing your vendors and bringing your staff and and showing up and like you said taking action making a difference absolutely i i tend to take with a grain of salt anybody who's really pumping their chest and saying or thumping their chest and saying you know oh look at all the you know charitable things we're doing. We're here, we're here, we're there. It's kind of like, um, 
was it? It was the last Super Bowl or the one before where Anheuser Busch, you know, bought a one point eight million dollar commercial spot or something to talk about how they sent a whole bunch of water down to the uh, the victims of the earthquake, and then somebody <laughs> let leak that it was fifty thousand dollars worth of water, and it was like, oh, real magnanimous of you, like how nice. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, we definitely heard some of that feedback after the uh, the cathedral in um, Paris burnt down. Um, like, hey, there's people that are starving. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, the people who are giving are giving. Um, I, that's what I found anyhow. The guys that I work with that are writing checks right. are writing checks, whether it's to the cathedral or to, to, to Africa for water programs or to the local homeless shelter. Yeah, and they don't tend to be people that need to be, you know, hey, here I am. Like, you know, there's, I think, a nice respectful way to communicate that and let people know that it's something you value. And it's another thing to boast or scream about it so loudly that it becomes, you know, kind of flimsy or transparent. So what are you most excited about in the next three to six months, maybe the next year in your business and what you guys are doing? Um, so in terms of the business, like I said, it was only recently that we reflected back and started looking at our clients and said, man, you know, over the last few years, if you looked at our client roster and the types of causes and organizations we aligned ourselves with, it's really remarkably different. And so now what I'm really excited about is the fact that we get to bring that level of personal alignment for our team into a greater arena of opportunities in terms of the clients that we work with. Because obviously, you know, whenever you're, I mean, this is true for any organization, you can only be so big, you can only have so many people and people can only have so many choices about the types of things that they work on. But where possible, we try to make sure that team members, you know, if uh, a good example is we had a client that was focused on helping college students better succeed and graduate in four years as opposed to becoming, you know, super seniors or six-year seniors or anything like that or dropouts. And we had another client that is very, very focused on basically supporting people with cancer, a great organization here in DC called Life With Cancer. And they provide therapy, exercise, a whole lot of programs for you know people affected by cancer. And they provide information and facilitate conversations nationally. And you know, as we talked internally, we said, hey, you know, this is coming at a time when a couple of different projects have wrapped up so people can choose what they're going to be working on a little bit more. And uh, one of our team members had two aunts, her mother, her grandmother, and two sisters all affected by breast cancer. And so for her to be able to work on something that had affected her family so personally and see how it was able to impact other people going through a journey she had seen her family go through and she had been a part of was really impactful. And on that other side, the person we had initially assigned to the breast cancer project had two brothers that had gone into college. One had done three years and then dropped out and one was in his fifth year and was just having a lot of trouble. He had gone to four universities in those five years because he couldn't find a place that he felt was comfortable. So they ended up saying like, oh, why don't we switch because we're so aligned with these causes. And as we've started to grow, we've had a little bit more opportunity to do that. And so that's something that's really exciting for me is whenever you can have an opportunity for, again, people to make a living working on stuff that they're really passionate and care about. I think that's a really terrific place to be. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you got to look past, like you said, we're, you know, we're going to be uh, spending a lot of hours at work. So you might as well, uh, you might as well be working with people and working on things that you really care about. Absolutely. And I've got, I mean, maybe you too, but I mean, so many friends, especially in the entrepreneurial space where a lot of your identity gets wrapped up in it and it's easy to play by the scoreboard other people put out there. So you're just like, okay, it's all about, you know, getting on that revenue cycle or growing. And I've talked to so many people that are in, you know, especially like their later 50s, 60s and 70s that kind of look back and they're like, I kind of wonder what it was all for. Like now in their last, you know, stretch of a couple decades or years or whatever the case might be, try to flip around and have what they consider a more meaningful legacy. And I just feel like that was a really good Good, you know, chance for me to see the different paths I could have gone down and choose to do the one that, you know, if 
something were to happen to me tomorrow, I'd feel really good about the impact I made and the legacy I left. And I don't have to feel like I'm racing a clock or anything towards the end of my life to turn around and do some good. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that's another thing you often hear. I often hear anyhow is, well, you know, when I make a big, then I'll do. It's like, no, no, you can, you can, like you said, you can do, take some small steps every day. You don't have to wait until you've arrived because uh, there's no guarantee you're going to arrive. Yeah. When it's always shifting, right? Like we're entrepreneurs. I think, you know, you and I both like hockey, so we're probably naturally a little competitive. So it's like, great. I hit that number. I'm not going to stop there. Like I'm going to go for the next number. So arriving is, you know, it's a perpetual, you know, inevitability that you're yeah. constantly kind of, you know, uh, your what reach exceeds your grasp or vice versa, where you're going to constantly be changing that milestone. So you never really give yourself the chance to relax or, you know, step back and look at it objectively about what kind of impact you're having uh, as far as your life goes. That's funny. You must have listened to my episode 100. (laughs) (laughs) I talked about how I suck at at celebrating success. It's like, okay, done, check. My wife's going, what do you mean, check? She goes, you you, you did, yeah, she said, so what are you going to do? I said, oh, well, I've got to do something else. She's going like, you're not going to like take a breath, take a breather and celebrate. It's like, no. Yeah, that's, uh, um, yeah. I'm so, right there with that. you, man. It was, uh, we grew 40%. It wasn't until one of our advisory board members said like, oh, so we're like, what did you guys to do to celebrate? And I was like, oops, <laughs> we haven't even really mentioned it. We just kind of kept on trucking. But yeah, maybe it's a. Uh, yeah, that's another kind that's of person that we need to have uh, be kind of that counterbalance in your life to make sure you celebrate those kind of things. Yeah, I remember when we had moved, I moved out of my home office and my wife said, hey, it's time for you to get an office. I don't want any more <laughs> staff in the house. And it's just working head down. And one day um, the mail had come in and my uh, bookkeeper didn't get it. And I opened the mail and I realized I had a million dollars US sitting in the bank. Went, Holy crap. That's a really bad place for that money to be. It should be invested someplace. And I was just doing what I'm supposed to do, head down, working hard, like you said, and not paying attention to that stuff. And did I celebrate? It's like, no, it's like, okay, right. fine, let's get to two. <laughs> um, get to two. Hey, let's get to four. Let's just keep double down. So <laughs> what's some of the bad advice you hear? I mean, you know, you're in the digital marketing space. I'm in the digital marketing space. You know, we're out at events. We're speaking at conferences. You're meeting people all the time. And, you know, there's got to be, you know, a point in time where you're standing there and you just kind of overhear a conversation. It kind of makes you cringe. So what's some of the bad advice you hear in the digital space these days? Oh God, there's so much of it. Like our industry is rife with just terrible advice and really gullible people, unfortunately. But I think the, one of the ones that I think frustrates me most is whenever people treat marketing, like it's just, you know, paint or something on the outside of a building. So you'll see, you know, it, these major conferences, people speaking from the stage about, oh, here's how you use these appropriate words to program your audience. And here's how you use these kind of things to bait people in and so on and so forth. And like, yes, there's a bit of psychology at play there. And if you do things right, you can you know, make some incremental improvements in terms of your results. But ultimately, if it's not authentic and it's not you and you don't follow through with it, it's all window dressing. And so, you know, constantly we have people that have come to us, oh, we were working with this consultant, we were working with this team, we were working with this agency, and they were supposed to help us set up this whole thing. And they've spent six months, 12 months, you know, two years, whatever the case might be, on this whole big campaign or branding initiative or whatever it was. And then they get, you know, basically absolutely nothing about it, because it sounds really, really good, but they didn't make any of it align truly with the business, or they didn't have a real understanding of the audience. And then they just, you know, go out there and say a whole bunch of things and they feel good because they're doing a lot of stuff. You know, I work seeing deliverables and we're talking a whole lot and things really seem to be happening, but none of, you know, it's just two ends of a wire that aren't plugged into anything. Nothing's going to happen. 
Yep, been there, done that. You know, talked to a few people down off the uh, off the lead saying, I would, wouldn't <laughs> advise you to do that. So a couple of questions, I'll let you get back to your day. Who's one guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast? Uh, so I think one of my favorite people to listen to, he's actually a member of our advisory board, is a guy by the name of Joey Coleman. He uh, wrote a book called Never Lose a Customer Again. He's really focused on the customer experience. So it's, hey, we do a lot of marketing and customer acquisition. What do you do to keep that customer once they come in the door? We all know it's more cost effective to keep those customers, but not a lot of people focus on it. Joey focuses on that. I think your audience would love it. Cool. And uh, do you know Jamie J? He's got a podcast called Culture Eat Strategy. I have heard of it. I've not listened to it yet, though. Okay. Well, I'll introduce you to him because I think you'd make a, be a great guest for him because he's all about culture. Oh, good deal. Yeah, I'm going to check that out as soon as we, uh, we hop off. Now, Chris, where can people find you? So if they want to learn more about you and your company and what you're doing, where's the best place for people to track you down and learn more about you? Sure. So, I mean, pretty much any social platform. I'm just Chris Yoko, C-H-R-I-S-Y-O-K-O. Same thing with the website, chrisyoko.com. And then our team, the company is Yoko, C-O-Y-O-K-O-C-O.com. Excellent. Hey, I had so much fun having this conversation. I just looked up and went, hey, time's ticking along. Got to be respectful of your time. But so I just want to say thanks so much for sharing and just bringing kind of a, a new fresh view, at least I think is a fresh view to our audience of, you know, the you know, you can do business, you can make money, but you can also look after people, look after the environment and and leave the world a better place. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Doug. This has been a ton of fun. Well, there you go, uh, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you some things to think about. I would suggest heading over to Chris's website. He does have a survey you can take on there. So, Chris, before I screw it up, do you want to tell us what the survey is called again, please? Oh, sure. So it just helps you figure out which of the virtues we consider heroic you're aligned with. There you go. So you can head over to his website at yoko.com. We'll make sure we have this uh, episode transcribed. So if you're driving, you don't have to pull over and take notes. You can just wait till it's transcribed and click on the link and head over and check out Chris and his company. So thanks again for listening. And we look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.